Get ready, get ready. This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And we got And welcome back to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bridger, right corner, and Alex Jones join you. And uh, we're staying here going into week four. And honestly, the way the summer shaped out, I don't know if we'd be standing here or two and one. I know both of you and I, uh, you know, thought Denver was vulnerable and uh, actually picked Buffalo to win. But um, very pleased with the result. Uh, the ground game was uh, shut down, but they found a way to get it done in the passing game. And uh Decent performance by Tyrod Taylor doesn't mean he didn't have me at least frustrated at times, but a good effort all all around and a, a good win for the Bills overall. Yeah, you know, Brad, it was a really uh, gutsy win for the team. I think it's one of those um, where, you know, it shows the medal of this team and it shows the medal of McDermott. He is going to be one of those coaches who teaches his team to play the full fourth quarter we to be honest what this reminded me of and is it the when the afc north was a juggernaut you had the Bengals, the ravens and the steelers fighting it out every year um and that sort of remind me of those steelers and ravens team where they're gonna score 24 points if they can score 24 points they're gonna win because they're gonna hold their opponent to one touchdown maybe a couple field goals maybe get two touchdowns in one field goal. But they're, as long as the Bills get above 17 points, I very much doubt most opponents will be able to get to 70 points on this defense, how well they play. And it's just fundamentals. I mean, just fundamentally sound. We saw a pretty good Jim Schwartz defense just get dismantled uh, in two years with the Rex Ryan, especially last year with uh, the Ryan brothers. Uh, well, this defense, I mean, you know, Occasionally, guys get beat. Occasionally, assignments are missed. But uh, then there's guys, you know, making their hits. There's ways to compensate. And overall, um, it's just fundamentally sound. I think that's the best way I can describe this defense at this point. Yeah, I completely agree, Brad. Uh, the best – that is a very a very uh, uh, correct way of describing it. Um, there, To be honest, the play Tredavious White made – is one you would not have seen before. Darby was a big hustle guy, but he didn't recover from play as well. And Gilmore, if he'd gotten beat on a cover two, he would have been like, all right, I'll see that guy in the end zone. Uh, Tredavious White hustled back after he realized he bro- after he realized he was in the wrong coverage and got back there to make a play on the ball. And honestly, uh, first off, that play is just the epitome of the NFL right now. We were sitting there, and there's a few, quite a few Broncos fans around me, and we were all just saying, you know, this is 50-50 whether this is going to be a catch or not. I mean, in stadium at least, we did, I couldn't see anything where I was like, all right, that's definitely a catch or definitely not. I was like, to be honest, no one in the NFL knows what a catch is besides the referees and the head guys in New York. And so any call that's a disputed catch like that, it, it's 50-50 shot your team gets the catch or not because literally – Next week, we could see the same thing where somebody's running down the field. Julio Jones, they knock the ball out as he falls down. And it's going to be like, no, it was a catch. He played two feet before getting. And it's honestly one of those things where no one knows what it is. But I I loved the hustle by both Gaines and Tredavious White. It honestly was um, one of those things that showed who he is as a player. Agreed. That was, uh, you know, a play that he could even, you know, give it up on. I could see, you know, Stephon Gilmore would miss it and just let the guy just blow by. But uh, 
Tredavious White, you know, chase him down, knocks that ball out upon further review. It's an incomplete pass. And then uh, later in the game, uh, a pressure caused a severely underthrown ball by Trevor Simeon that uh, he seamlessly picked off. It was right to him. And, uh, you know, just based on last year, we talked about Darby when the Bills drafted him, how he had hands a stone, and that's what we saw in his sophomore year. Uh, it's amazing how much better hands uh, just Tredavious White has that uh, – uh, like we said, he made the play on the ball, and then he was able to go ahead and pick that off. A strong play here uh, out of the first-year corner for the Bills. Yeah, I definitely uh, think Tredavious White and Gaines have both looked very, very good. Uh, in, in all honesty, it's one of those things where um, where the Bills on the whole look like a team that puts a lot of hustle and a lot of chase into their plays. And I think that's honestly where this defense is going to make its bones. You know, Tredavious White getting picked on a little bit on the run pass options, the quick hitters. He recovered nicely. EJ Gaines had been picked on a few times during the game, recovered nicely. I, I, this defensive secondary is really something that is coming together really well. It's a group that is playing quite above what people thought they would be. Well, and it's amazing, too, going into the season that a lot of people weren't given this defense looks because it was a brand-new secondary. And just based on that, based upon the unknown, I felt like a lot of critics out there weren't giving this defense a chance. Um, you know, you and I have been on this defense all along, uh, especially you, you've called us, you know, before the season that they had the potential to be, you know, a top-five defense. And I still see that this year. Um, but, you know, it's funny how we look back on some things when, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby got traded. You know, everyone screams and cries. Our, our two best players are gone. They got future in the draft picks in each of those trades, and they got player value in return. I wouldn't say that, you know, Jordan Matthews is Sammy Watkins-esque, and EJ Gaines is a completely different kind of player than Ronald Darby, but both have fit in nicely. I think uh, Matthews has looked decent at wide receiver. He's made some decent plays. Uh, his, his yards after catch have been spectacular. And then EJ Gaines is really coming to his own. I know uh, they'll have to figure out what they want to do with these guys after this year. But right now, the value on that trade, uh, although Sammy Watkins did have a decent game last Thursday, I'm going to say that uh, Buffalo has made out on both of those trades as it stands right now. Uh, I would agree. I, I think that the trade, while Watkins would add a complete different dimension to this offense, um, there's just something about having um, Jordan Matthews, who's a very good run-after-catch guy. That's where he's made his bones. And he's shown it twice in three games, his ability to catch the ball underneath, turn up field, and get some good chunks of yards. Um, and the Derby trade made so much sense to me. Uh, there'd been a lot of talk in the locker room. Um that he had never really bought into the system, that he never really was 100% in. And to be honest, a lot of guys, McDermott's system is one of those systems where uh, you got to really jump in 100% or you're not in at all. We talked a lot about the secondary in the early goings here. I want to talk about, you know, the front seven as well. The front four, in fact, even without Marcel Darius, had a tremendous pressure on uh, Simeon all day. Uh, you know, we saw brilliance in the run game, but two very good, you know, pro bowl backs there in Jamal Charles and C.J. Anderson. But as a whole, I was impressed the way that front four uh, played. You know, Jerry Hughes, all season long, I feel like he's been playing like a man possessed out there. And he's been a lot of fun to watch. 
Kyle Williams, you know what you're going to get out of him. That guy brings 110% on every single play. Um, you know, he, even uh, the second-year man in Washington, uh, Adolphus Washington, looks very good. Shaq Lawson is flourishing in this defense there. Before we get into the linebacking core, i got to say this front four has absolutely impressed me through three weeks. Yeah, you know, uh, they they really have – it's been a great group, and I think it's been a great team effort by everybody on the team. Um, but that front four, just the versatility um, that they've been able to put in guys like Cedric Thompson and Ryan Davis and get success, Eddie Yarbo, and get success from those players – that that is truly impressive and shows what how much of a team this is rather than just a group of individuals. Exactly. You can take a guy out of the scheme like Marcel Darius and plug in other players, not skip a beat. Now I think Marcel Darius uh, gives you that extra element and hopefully he'll play this week. Um, but overall, I mean uh, it really is. You can uh the system just works that, you know, it's not solely bent upon one playmaking defender here. It's on a variety here. The linebacking core has looked really, uh, really sound early on. Uh, Ramon Humber uh, has been uh, fun to watch here as an addition here on this linebacking core. Um, that overall, I, I mean, just the front seven has just played sound so far. Yeah, you know, they really have. Um, and I think Ramon Humber is a player who has been playing much above his level. You know, there's always a few players like that in the NFL. He'll never get an all-star berth like Lorenzo Alexander did. He'll never get anything like that. But he will, people will recognize the amount, the skill and precision he's brought to this defense. Now, I going in, I, as as everyone who listens to this know, I am draft obsessed. That's just honestly I my bag. I love the NFL draft. Um, however... The thing is, is that uh, I think that that Ramon Humber's weak side linebacker position is one very likely to be uh, a player drafted into. So if he can stay around for a year, you know, let the new linebacker get up to speed in the NFL, then I think that Humber can still stick it out on special teams. He's still very good. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, it's one of those things where I think Ramon Humber, while playing very well right now, is an expendable player. And that's not oh, to yeah. say that he's not skilled. But he is he is one of those players where you could see improvement in the future. Uh, good comparison if you want to compare him to a guy last year on the squad, Zach Brown. He's like the Zach Brown here of 2017. Yeah, he, and they're ironically they're complete opposite skill sets. Uh, Brown was a fast linebacker who played like was similar to Nigel Bradham, played with his hair on fire, flying all over the field. Um, but wasn't really in the correct position a lot of times. Got lost in run blocking. And the opposite sort of is true for Humber. Humber isn't the, you know, the fleetest of foot guy in the field, but he is where you need him to be. He's in coverages. He's in the correct spot almost every time. And that's honestly just where he is, excels because he can put himself into good positions. I mean, he started in this league before. It's not like he's a, you know, just some random guy. It, it's not like Lorenzo Alexander who literally didn't have a start to his name at outside linebacker. It honestly, he has started in the league before he has some starting experience, so he knows how to get around. Another guy who's been impressive here year or two in this Bills team is Lorenzo Alexander, who's been like a man possessed, where he always seems to be in the right position at the right time, making the right hit, the right play on the ball, that he's been solid. 
Uh, he was worth every bit of money that they signed him for this offseason here. I think a uh, really good player to have back here. Uh, you know, veteran leadership, you know, on and off the field here. He has been extremely valuable to this franchise. Yeah, in all honesty, he uh, he is one of those players that I'm 99% sure, uh, much like Tom Brady has found the fountain of youth and refuses to share it with the rest of us. Because at 34 years, 35, 34, uh, either 34 or 35 years old, he's doing things that 25-year-olds in the NFL can't do. And so it's just so amazing to see how much of a change he's made, um, you know, just through his through his workout regime and through everything he does to keep himself um, ready, how he how he's able to do that. Also looking here at the Bills this week, Stephen Hauschka named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, as rightfully so. Uh, 49-yard field goal, a uh, 53, a 55, and then I believe a 29-yard field goal around solid kicking from him. Uh, Kicks that I would have cringed to see Dan Carpenter make. And I like Dan Carpenter, but last year uh, was, you know, his age was worn. It was time to go, and Hauschka has come in and, you know, in the third game here, filled the role nicely because I was a little concerned early on. Missed a field goal against the Gents, doinked one in against Carolina, but this week, every sin- single field goal, the moment you saw it come off his foot, you knew it was going to go through the goalposts. Yeah, and all, and he was just—I think it's one of those times just feeling it. He—it was first off on field. Just sitting in the stands, lower bowl, it was about 90, 95 degrees. So probably on the field, it was about 100. Um, so that ball was light. The air was really light as well. You could easily cut through it. It was sort of the hot human air you get down south when you get low to sea level. Um, and so um, I, I honestly think it, uh, I think Dan Carpenter, or not, uh, Hauschka said that uh, he was good for about 63 or 64 headed towards the tunnel end zone. Um, so, you know, it, it was really a great day kicking. He's the first kicker ever for the Bills to hit two 50-yard kicks in the same day. Um, and he was just killing it. And I think he's been a big improvement so far. He had the one botched kick and the one um, uh, one that nicked off the field goal, but I think he's starting to hit his stride a little bit. This is the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Brad the Bruiser, Icorn. Alex Jones, happy to be joining you here as we look forward to a week four matchup, Bills heading to Atlanta, and then next week they'll be on the road taking on Cincinnati before a bye week, and we're turning home to face Tampa. Uh, let's spend a little time on Tyrod Taylor, who, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism on that, that he wasn't taking a lot of shots, he wasn't making throws. I don't know about taking shots, I didn't see a lot of those, but all in all, he played a solid game here. Um, I, I think eventually we'll see Zay Jones catch fire, I know. Uh, I think uh, one pass he dropped, another pass was just off the mark. Uh, Tyrod had pressure in his face. But overall, I thought uh, Tyrod had a decent game. Uh, he, you know, did what they're supposed to do. If the ground game doesn't work, they're supposed to beat him through the air, and they did. Um, and that's a really good Denver defense that I thought uh, Tyrod had a, a, a decent game overall. Yeah, I, I thought Tyrod did what was necessary, and I think this is the I think this is the key for the Bills to win. Um, 
I honestly, it's one of those things where Tyrod, if the offense isn't clicking, needs to be able to sort of grind it out on the ground and uh, in the air. Um, he made some great throws. That Nick O'Leary pass was on a dime in the perfect spot. Um, even the pass to Zay Jones, which was tipped to Andre Holmes, was in the perfect spot. He put it where the corner couldn't get it. Um, Tyrod looked on yesterday, and I think that he kept. He needs to just keep throwing to Zay because Zay's hit a little bit of a cold streak. But to be honest, even the greats hit cold streaks once you come into the NFL just because it's such a different game. The ball's going so much faster. The game is going so much faster, and so it takes a little adjustment time. You know, in the coming weeks, I think Zay could go huge, you know, like 10 catches, 125 yards, maybe two TDs. It's going to be one of these games. Everything's just going to click into place for him. He's going to go off. Now, you were at the game. Talk about the atmosphere. Just watching on TV, I saw a lot of Bronco orange in the stands. Uh, But in talking to you this week, you said, you know, by the end of the game, they were just completely quiet. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of Broncos fans there. Um, they were really, there really was an, almost a weird amount of Broncos fans there. Like, like quite a few that I was like, eh, I don't know if these guys were just, you know, oh, hey, they won the Super Bowl recently. Let's jump on the cool orange jersey bandwagon or if they're actually fans. Um, but yeah, by the end of it, you know, they were talking trash. Oh, it's going to be, yeah. And even into the fourth quarter, it was like, oh, no, no, we're going to take the game over here. It was actually really similar, reminiscent of the Green Bay game in Buffalo where we beat Aaron Rodgers. Um, and all of a sudden, once we got that, uh, once they failed to convert the fourth down, it just got really quiet. And all of a sudden, all you see is a flood of orange out of the stadium. Um, and by the end of it, they had all left before the game had even ended. And it seemed pretty loud overall that I thought the crowd had a pretty good factor in it despite, you know, the Bronco fans in the stands. Yeah, the crowd was really into it. It was we were, it was a really raucous crowd. Um, everybody was feeling it. And I think, uh, in all honesty, it's one of those where, uh, you know, it's sort of a warm day, so everybody... It, it, one of the weirder things about this was so hot, people were rather to sit... were, were, were sitting in the concourse where it was shaded rather than sit in the stadium and watch a game. They were sitting in the concourse on the ground, on concrete pillars, literally anywhere there was space. And it was maybe like, just to behind my section alone, maybe 100 to 250 people just sitting on the ground around watching the TVs. So it was a really hot game. Um, but yeah, the fans were loud and it was it was getting real uh, raucous. And then that you just sort of felt the tide turn with those two big turnovers. We were able to march it down and get points on those. So um, that's really where it uh Last thing um, I want to talk really about too in this game here is the uh, Von Miller penalty, which you know we'll come to find out that you know they're laughing all game long. They've been friends since they were both drafted the same year, and uh, ultimately. Um, on TV at first, I was like, well, that's kind of a jerky thing. I didn't realize they were just joking around and what have you. So I think the flag was excessive. But right now, I'm glad to be on the right side of that call because, uh, you know, it just seems like that's a call that would go against the Bills. And there were some very questionable calls in the in that game. Uh, listening to John Murphy, uh, they pointed out, you know, the uh, Adolphus Washington hands to the face, that was questionable. A hold called on Richian Canedo, that was questionable. But this was a, a completely questionable call. But you know what? Um, you take it. So, as unfortunate it was, it was really, really funny to watch, and uh, I'm glad that we were on the right side of it. 
Yeah, and it was one of those rare times where a penalty went for the Bills, and we were like, wait, penalties don't just go against us? Like, what is going on? I mean, there were a few real iffy ones. Um, the pass interference when it was three yards on um, uh, Tredavious White, uh, which is not pass interference for all those listening. Uh, pass interference is after five yards. It's in the three-yard bump rule. He, he was fine there. Uh, also, the holding on Richie Incognito, it's, it wasn't a hold, but it's the thing they teach linemen from peewees to pros. Richie lost his balance and just stuck his arm out to hold himself up. He didn't grab cloth. He didn't do anything like that, but he gave him the seatbelt across him. And it literally anytime a ref sees that, it's going to be a flag because it looks like you're holding him. And even though you may be blocking him with your arm out, it, it's still going to get called a hold 100% of the time. At this time, we're going to go ahead and take a timeout and come back with a look into this weekend's game in Atlanta. Uh, we always preach your thoughts. Tweet me at Bills Bruiser. Tweet him at Alex Jones at St. Alex Jones. And uh, follow the site on Twitter at Buffalo Non Reader. Work here at BuffaloNown.com. Taking a break, this is the BuffaloNown.com podcast. Circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Okay, guys, where else would you rather be? This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And welcome back to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones, happy to be joining you here. As we get set for the Buffalo Bills, they head into Atlanta this week to take on the defending NFC champion, Atlanta Falcons, a team that uh, had a 28-3 in the Super Bowl and managed to lose the game. So, uh, Atlanta, they uh, survived a tough one against Detroit where uh, Golden Tate, upon further review, was called short of the end zone and with a 10-second runoff, the game was over. Um... Lions fans have it rough. I was at that Bills-Lions game a couple years ago where Buffalo was down 14-0 in the second half and won the game 17-14. And all the Lions fans are saying, same old Lions. At one point, they're all training MVP, MVP, and then seconds later, the ref is walking out saying, hey, uh, receiver was down, 
Game's over. Atlanta is one of two undefeated teams left in the NFL then in Kansas City. So, regardless, Atlanta's still undefeated coming into the home in the new uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is another winnable game for the Bills. It's not going to be easy, but the way their defense has played, if their defense can play this game, if they can get Shady going on the ground, I know he was already catching the ball, but if they can get him going on the ground and get a ground attack going here, I think uh, the Bills actually have a chance in this game. Yeah, and one thing about um, one thing about this defense, too, is they're very fast, but they're a little bit on the small side. If we can get our... our because, um, you know, they do run the 4-3, it's going to be a little tougher to run against Dan Quinn run the 4-3. Um, and so I, I think it's one of those things where as long as we can get our running backs to the second level, where we can get them up to the second level of linebackers, they're a little bit smaller. They're faster, but they're smaller. And I think that Shady has some opportunities there. Um, you know, last week that huge play Shady broke off was a run man scheme, and I would I would expect Bill's uh, OC Rico Dennison to sprinkle in a little bit more of that man's zone, the man blocking scheme. Uh, maybe some counters or some other stuff like that uh, because it seemed like our team had a lot of success with it. Yep, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I, I I, think, like I said, on paper, this is, uh, it's well, maybe not even on paper, but, you know, if you watch the Bills through three weeks of this season here, I think this is a game that's, Closer than you would expect. I would expect to see the experts, just like the Denver game, to pick Atlanta across the board. That comes as absolutely no shock. And go ahead, pick Atlanta. Um, you know, I think even at this point, if they are to lose this game, four games in to be at two and two, I don't think that's bad at all at this point. No, in all honesty, a lot of people would not have put us at in at two and two headed in. Um, and I think it's one of those things where. Uh, the Bills could come in and sneak past the Falcons. Um, you know, their offense is electric. Their defense is very good, but there's a chance that, you know, we could be one of those games like Jacksonville last week, all of those in London, snuck up on, you know, the uh, the Ravens. And so I think um, the Bills could easily shock the Falcons here and go into next week 3-1. and one. But even, let's say, we you know we lose against the Falcons and we win against the Bengals, going into the bye week at 3-2 and two is a lot higher than people expected. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if they can pull out a game in Atlanta, I mean, I already saw the power rankings mean nothing, but... You know, you can't help but pay attention to them. Buffalo shoots up, uh, you know, depending on which poll you look at, whether it be ESPN or NFL.com, they're shooting up, you know, 10 to 11 spots, which is, I, I think, deserved. I think they were underranked early on, so I think uh, atonement is maybe the correct term at this point here. But, um, you know, if, if they can't win this game, I think it'll at least be close. Um, that I think the secondary, if they can put pressure, you know, we saw the Lions... They took advantage of, uh, you know, tip balls and, uh, you know, Matt Ryan mistakes there, um, getting a pick six in that game that uh, I, I think if that we can at least, you know, hope to get at least maybe one, maybe two turnovers out of our defense there. And then, you know, just try to, if we can, ideally a balance on offense between run and pass there. Um, I like the Bills' odds if everything goes that way. Yeah, and, you know, I, I like uh, what... Uh, Rico Dennison was doing the last game 
Um, in all honesty, it's I like a lot of the play action. I think this defense is so quick, similar to what Vaughn Miller did, is that they'll just fly to it. They'll fly with whatever we're doing. So if we come out early and hit a couple big um, big play action passes, then you know they could they'll have to step back a little bit and that'll open up the run because they'll have to respect the pass if we open it up on them in the first few series. Um, I, once we got off script last game, the Bills looked very, very good. The offensive, That's when the offensive tempo picked up. And we started to do a, almost a no huddle, which I was a big fan of. Yes. I like that fast pace, get up there, get you know, snap the ball, take advantage if you have a, um, a defensive mismatch. It, it's, I'm a big fan of the fast pace offense. And it definitely helps when Tyrod Taylor can go ahead and pick out his mismatches prior to the snap. Um, in a, in a speed-type defense like that there, uh, that's something that needs to do is where our, where his mismatches are on the field, who he can try to pick apart, who has a favorable matchup. Uh, because, you know, we've seen him. The only turnover he's had, uh, you know, in three games of the season was off of uh, the fingertips of Charles Clay into uh, the defensive back of the New York Jets. So he's making, uh, you know, I think conscious throws here. Throws that I don't think we ever would have seen, you know, someone of the likes of uh, E.J. Manuel make here that uh, I, I think it's safe to say it could be, you know, the scheme that Rico's calling here. But I think, uh, you know, at least in uh, week three, we did see growth and exactly what we wanted to see in Tyrod Taylor's passing game. Yeah, and I think that um, one thing that we started seeing is Tyrod starting to spread it out a little bit. He's going a little short, then an intermediate. Um, he hasn't hit deep yet, but I think it hasn't been open. So I, I, this is the thing. Bills fans, please listen up. Do not scream for Tyrod to throw the ball deep if it's not open. Tyrod is going to make the smartest choice. And I know you're like, oh, that's checked down. Yeah, but you know what? It's worth it. Because the thing is, this defense is going to hold people to maybe one or two touchdowns at most. This offense just needs to get to 20 one points. That's all they need to get to. All they need to get to is above 17 points because this defense is so staunch. They'll stop almost any offense in the NFL. So I, I honestly think that if Tyrod's making the smart throws constantly, yeah, it doesn't give you that big electric play where you're jumping up and down, but it, it is the smartest, it is the smartest offense we can do to choose that five yard out, to choose the short slant, you know, go across the middle. And also last year, all the Bills fans were complaining. Oh, Tyrod never throws across the middle. Ty- he just doesn't throw it across <laughs> the middle or short. He th- only throws it deep. So it's like, all right, you guys were the same people calling last year, being like, oh, Tyrod doesn't throw across the middle. Now you want him to throw it deep. Like, make up your mind. Like, we understand you don't like this quarterback, but at least criticize him on one thing or acknowledge that he started doing the thing you used to complain about. Atlanta, they definitely have weapons, like we said. You know, they... Should have won the Super Bowl in all fairness last year. When you're up 28-3, to you put that game away, and they should have won the Super Bowl here. Matt Ryan is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Julio Jones is one of the best uh, receivers in the NFL. Uh, their ground game is very, very good and fun to watch uh, with Freeman and company. That, uh, Yeah, this is going to be a tough team. This is going to be a tough matchup. But if they can come out and get a win in Atlanta, that would be huge. Uh, if I have to pick here... I'm going to go with a safe pick. I am going to pick Atlanta. The fact that it's on the road, um, this is a good Atlanta team. Like I said, they're the defending NFC champions for a reason. 
They play, like we said, a fast defense that could cause fits for this team. I think Buffalo will play them close, but I do pick Atlanta on this one. Uh, I think it's going to – I think Buffalo sneaks it out on the last second field goal. I think the Bills are going to win 20-17 uh, to 17 on the last second Hauschka field goal. Um, Matt Ryan gets two passing touchdowns, um, but they're, you know, they're quick hitters. They, they made him grind it out, um, and I think the Bills sneak away with this one. I truly hope so. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Or read our work here at BuffaloDown.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at BuffaloDown, at Bills Bruiser, at St. Alex Jones. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the BuffaloDown.com podcast, part of the Fan Sided Sports Network, an R Street Media production.